morning. All right, good to be back. If I cough, don't get worried. I tested negative last night. So uh, anyway, but it's good to be back. And uh, Merry Early Christmas. Well, in my house exists two parents, a high schooler, a middle schooler, an elementary schooler, a preschooler, and a huge dog. I mean, a really big dog. She gets bigger every day. There are all sorts of noises, all sorts of sounds that emanate from my house. So there are very seldom times of peace, times of quiet. Now, I know there will be a time where that's the case. And, um, and I know that I wish for the noise. But honestly, now is not that time. In fact, I had a little taste of that this past week as I had COVID again. And my wife uh, quarantined me to the back bedroom. And uh, even though it was, I felt bad, it was kind of nice to have some quiet. Me and my, my, my laptop and iPad and, and nobody wanted to come near me. It was kind of nice. I had to get COVID to get some peace and quiet. But, you know. <laughs> but it only lasted about two days before I was again starving for some human interaction. But there's been a great invention over the last few years. These little things called noise-canceling headphones. And I have these headphones that go right inside my ear. And when the canceling feature is turned on, you can't hear anything. Uh, and, and I know this because every now and then I'll be uh, watching something or reading something and I'll have those in. And, and uh, there'll be chaos all around me in my house. And, and in the corner of my eye, I'll see my wife doing this. <laughs> oh, are you talking to me? And, and I'll see her before I ever hear her. And so it's the fact that it works so well, there's times where she'll say, you're not allowed to have the noise canceling on right now. You know, there's too much going on in the house. You need to be able to hear all of the chaos for safety reasons. So in a setting of chaos and noise and loudness, uh, the headphones give a, little, give a little moment of peace. In one Charlie Brown Peanuts cartoon, Lucy says to Charlie Brown, I hate everything. I hate everybody I hate the whole wide world. And Charlie Brown says to her, but I thought you had inner peace. She said, I do have inner peace, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. <laughs> We're knee deep in the Christmas season. And there seems to be a chance to interact with outer obnoxiousness as Christmas comes. And it'll get more crazy and crazy until Christmas Day. And it's hard to find peace during what should be a celebration of peace. That's the irony of the situation. Christmas is a time where we celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace, the God-man Jesus Christ. And he's called that because he makes peace between us and between God the Father. And through Jesus' death on the cross and through his resurrection, he has made us right with God. And so then as Christians, we are called to be peacemakers as well. Today we're looking at a passage that will tell us how we can create peace 
in our lives with other people. Now, I was supposed to preach this last week, and I didn't, so I'm preaching it to this week, and it lines right up with our scripture reading today. Isn't that interesting how God does it? So we've already read it once, but we'll read it twice. Look at Romans 15, 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Father in heaven, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage today, Lord, that you do speak through me. Uh, Lord, that my words reflect your heart, uh, that I preach with the conviction of your Holy Spirit, and that we hear from you today and you show us, Lord, how we can create peace, Lord, as we enter this Christmas season. Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you today three ways. Three ways that we can create peace. Just like a noise-canceling headphone creates some peace for us. How can we create peace this Christmas season? Number one, we can create peace by encouraging one another. We can create peace by encouraging. I never know any fight to break out that started with encouragement. The immediate context of this passage follows up chapter 14, where Paul was urging uh, the Romans to not cause other believers to stumble into sin. Believers who are strong in their faith, who do not uh, have certain struggles, sometimes they can tempt other believers into sin by participating in activities that don't necessarily tempt themselves. For instance, Alcohol might tempt others more than it tempts you, or certain foods might tempt others more than you, or certain movies or shows or internet or social media may tempt you more than it does others. You know, uh, I don't watch a lot of cable news television because I get angry very easily watching those shows. It tempts me. It tempts my sin, area to sin. So I don't, maybe you can handle it, but I don't, I can't handle it. This is what Paul's saying, that, that, that he continues to explain more of the obligation of believers. So he says in verse 1, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Not only do we have an obligation to not contribute to the temptations, to the sins of other believers, we also, though, have an obligation to bear with them in their failings. So in other words, it's not just enough to avoid tempting or bringing sin into our fellow believers' lives, we need to help them when they do sin. We need to encourage them when they do sin. When we do this, we will inevitably avoid things that that we enjoy, he says, things that please us in order 
to help those who are weak and who are fallen. This is quite an obligation. Many times people view Christianity as just a list of activities to avoid. Well, don't do this and don't do that. And, and, and that might be the case in some areas. But following Jesus is much more than just a list of things to avoid. It includes doing things as well, helping others, especially those of the faith. So he says in verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. This word please has the idea of accommodating. We should accommodate one another. We should build the other up. We, we provide for our neighbor what they need in their life. Your neighbor needs a weed eater, you let them borrow it and tell yourself, I may never see this again. <laughs> but know that you're doing it for their good, building up. When you lend something out, tell yourself, I'm okay if I never see this again. We take our cue from this from Jesus himself. Look at verse 3. For Christ did not please himself, as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. This Paul is quoting Psalm 69.9, and he applies it to Jesus. In this context, the, the reproaches, which are mockery, criticism, of those who reproached God the Father fell on Christ. Paul seems to be saying here that, that strong faith Christians should be willing to give up meat or give up wine or any other matter of their personal freedom for the sake of building up their weaker siblings in Christ. And so we create peace through encouragement. By the week I was listening to a clip of Clemson's football coach Dabo Sweeney. He had a call-in show and they had just lost to South Carolina, which is probably why I was listening to it. Uh, but getting ready for the ACC championship, which they won, of course. And the caller called in and was criticizing Coach Sweeney, telling him, basically, it's time for you to take a, look, a long look in the mirror. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a coach <laughs> who's won two national championships, has won 10 games in a row, like 10 years in a row, won 10 games again this year. He knows what the problems are. And he knows what the problems are much more than this fan calling in on the show who acted like he was the expert and everything. Those type of calls just create disharmony. You know, maybe, had the caller thought, that maybe this coach needs encouragement. Maybe he says, you know what, didn't work out like he wanted to, but keep on, keep on doing well. Keep on going on, right? Had the caller thought about that. See, it's much easier to criticize, much easier to criticize much easier to find fault, to find a person's flaws or, or failings or weaknesses. And it's even easier to do when that someone is clearly in sin. When a Christian is in sin, typically, I would say, especially if they're Christians, uh, they usually know they are. They have the Holy Spirit convicting them of it. So we don't condone sin, we don't overlook it as a body of believers, but instead of criticizing believers when they sin, we should encourage them instead. That's how we create peace. That's how we promote peace. And if it's not sin, we should never criticize. Sometimes we criticize others 
and they haven't even sinned, which seems a little bit crazy. I remember one time in fifth grade, I was walking down the hall at school. I was a typical fifth grade boy, you know, and apparently, apparently, as I was walking in line down the hall, I walked right past a piece of trash on the ground. Okay, now I wasn't looking for it. I just walked past it. Okay, I mean, 10, 11 year old Charlie's not looking to pick up trash. Okay, the teacher apparently saw me walk right past it, and she stopped me in the middle of the of the hallway, picked up the trash, and said. Why did you pick that up, Charlie? You walked right past that. She's all mad at me for not picking that piece of trash up. I guess she had a bad day. I don't know what it was. But shame on you for not picking up that piece of trash. Now listen, I didn't sin. <laughs> There's no sin going on. She didn't, you know, tell me to pick it up. I didn't disobey my teacher. I was just walking. I walked past it. I didn't see it. I'm not thinking about trash as an 11-year-old boy. Right? I walked past it, but she acted like I committed, I felt like I was being judged for committing the worst possible thing. So now when I walk past a piece of trash, I always pick it up. <laughs> but the point I'm getting at is, I wasn't breaking God's law. That's not sin. It's just walking in line. Listen, Christians, we are notorious. We are notorious for criticizing people for things that aren't sinful. Little preferences, little things, little pet peeves. I would say that is sin in itself. To criticize believers for things that aren't even sin. We don't create peace by criticizing. We create peace by encouragement. So, this Christmas season, create peace by encouraging one another. Number two, we also create peace by enduring with one another. Enduring with one another. Some of these Christmas parties you have, these family parties, you're going to have to endure it. Amen. Right? That's, that's, that's part about what it's out. And if they're believers, you're enduring it together. Verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance... And through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. See, endurance is what allows us to have hope. What do I mean? Well, spiritual disciplines, prayer, enduring prayer, Bible reading, reading your Bible when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, Bible study, coming to corporate worship. These are things that as we do them over time, our character changes. I promise you, if you read your Bible, your character changes. If you don't read your Bible, your character changes in a different way. Different way. If you pray, your character changes. If you come to worship, your character changes over time. These are these disciplines in spiritual life is how we become more like Christ. Because the Christian life is very much a life of endurance. It's not a 100-meter dash. It is endurance. Paul uses the language of an athlete. Um, he says that the, a poorly conditioned, for instance, a, a, a poorly conditioned team, think about football analogy, a poorly conditioned team will not win the fourth quarter. They'll be tired. You know, they run sprints. They lift weights. 
They eat right. They do all the things necessary to do. So when the game is on the line, they'll have to play even harder than they've played the entire game, even though they are physically tired. And so when the game's on the line, they'll possess the energy, the endurance to win the game. That is the Christian life. If you're not praying, if you're not reading your Bible regularly, if you're not attending worship on a regular basis, you will not have the spiritual endurance to win the game in the fourth quarter. You just won't. Now, the good news is when you collapse on the sidelines, your brothers and sisters are there to pick you up. But you're called to have that endurance. When the hard times come, we will not be prepared. See, one way here we create peace is by enduring with one another. To use another sports analogy, in the fourth quarter, if you're tired and you're ready to quit, but you look to your teammates and they're not tired and they're encouraging you, what a huge help that would be. What a huge help that is. Imagine going into the huddle. I don't think football teams even huddle anymore, but going into the huddle and, and, and you're tired and you look across all your teammates and they're all tired too. We're like, well, the game's over. You've lost. But if one person says, oh, no, we got this, it encourages everybody else. What a disaster it would be if your teammate criticized you when the game was on the line. That, we would call that poor leadership. And there are teams all across the country with poor leadership. The ones that have good leadership tend to win because of that mindset, of that encouragement. See, part of our calling as believers is to be strong enough that when a teammate is tired, when a teammate is failing, we can look at them in the eye and say, hey, we got you. We got you today. And look at our brothers and sisters in Christ and say, we got you. Peace is created by that. If you ever see teammates fighting, they aren't enduring with one another. They're criticizing one another, not encouraging, not enduring. And the same is true in our lives. The same is true in our church. If there's a church body with fierce disunity. You better believe that there is criticism present. There's not encouragement. And there's not endurance. Criticism creates disunity. But peace occurs because we're all in this together. We're all in this together. We're all following Christ together. We're all making disciples together. This isn't Charlie Baptist Church. This isn't Terry Baptist Church. This isn't you Baptist Church, me Baptist Church. This is the first Baptist Church of Monk's Corner. A group of believers committed to making disciples, committed to bringing peace into our lives and to the lives of others. We're in this together so we create peace by enduring you know one of the great ways i've seen our church endure just the past couple years with covid you know there were some sundays where i'd come up here and i'd preach because you know people were sick and scared and and uh maybe just a handful of people out there right just a handful of people out there but that's not why we preach whether it's full or there's three we do it 
We worship whether we do it. If we can, we be here if we can. And I saw our church endure a 100-year pandemic and look around and there you are all. You're here today. You're right there today. We endured and will continue to endure as we create peace. And finally, number three, we create peace by accepting one another. Accepting one another. Look at verse 5. Paul says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. See, because God is the God of endurance, because he is the God of encouragement, he gives us the ability to live the same. His, his goal for us is to live in harmony with one another under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so he says in verse 6, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, part of being in harmony with one another is when believers form one voice. I was listening to this, this group, two women who sing together. Uh, one has a very distinctive lower range voice. I guess that's an alto or something. The other is very high, perhaps a soprano. And listening to them individually, they don't sound anything special. They're, they're good, but they're just normal. But when they harmonize perfectly in their songs, which is what they do, they create this different voice. A different voice, like this new voice comes out. It sounds like one voice. Their harmony is such perfect. But it sounds different than their individual voices. And this one combined voice sounds better if you were listening to the individual voices by themselves. And their combined voice that sounds like one voice is why they are famous performers. It's why people buy their CDs, why they tour, and their combined voice, and they sing everything in perfect harmony. Without that voice, they'd just be another pretty voice, but combined, they sell a lot of CDs, they sell out a lot of uh, uh, concerts, and combined, they are powerful with this one voice that both their voices create in harmony. It's the same way when we accept one another. We combine our voices into one voice to glorify God. See, when we're unified, the power of the church is magnified. Without each other, we're just individual believers. But together, as we accept one another, we are force for the kingdom of God. So he says in verse 7, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Paul had never been to Rome. That's why he spends so, so long explaining the gospel to them. He wanted to make sure they understood it. And then tells them how they should be because he, he never met them before. So he says, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. Welcome has the idea of accepting. Accepting one another. We accept each other. We accept each other for our flaws. Many of you accept me for all my flaws. I accept you for your flaws. Some of you have no flaws. And I still accept you. We accept each, all of us, for who we are in 
Christ Jesus. That's where the power is. We encourage each other when we sin. We have each other's backs. You only get that in a church body. At least you should. You should only get it in the body of Christ. The only organization in the world where we all have the same spirit. The spirit of the living God. I could go to Poland with that video we saw, and I could talk to believers there, and I would have more in common with those believers in Poland than I would a lost person down the street at Piggly Wiggly. Because we have the spirit of Christ. So we encourage one another. We create peace by accepting who we are. As you think about peace this Christmas, as you search this Christmas for peace, have you ever thought about instead of searching for it, instead of wishing for it, instead of wondering if you'll ever have peace, have you ever thought about bringing the peace? Have you ever thought about creating the peace? By encouraging, by enduring, by accepting. Have you thought about being the peacemaker? With Jesus in your life, Jesus who is the ultimate peacemaker, the ultimate prince of peace, who made peace between us and God, who took our death on the cross, made us right with God, brought peace into our life for eternity as a Christian, as a little Christ, this Christmas, don't forget that you are called as well to bring peace into people's lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, what you've given us. And Lord, as we close our time together today, we do thank you for being that ultimate peacemaker. Bringing peace between the Father and ourselves. And Lord, as we go about the busyness of Christmas, we find ourselves looking for peace, that we would create it. We would be the agents of change, of creation. Creation peace. Creating peace, Lord, because you've, you've given us that ability through your spirit that is in us. Lord, show us where and how we can create that peace this Christmas. Maybe it's encouraging a family member. Maybe it's enduring a situation with, with friends and family. Or maybe, Lord, it's just accepting one another for who we are. Lord, that you would help us create that peace this Christmas season. And we know, Lord, if we call on you to do so, you'll help us do it. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.